grace, mercy, and peace be yours, dear brothers and sisters, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What do we mean when we pray those words in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come? What do we mean by that word, kingdom? When I was younger, I used to think that in that part of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, we were praying for God to bring judgment day, to, to bring the end of the world so that we could go to be with him in heaven. In my mind, kingdom equaled heaven. Maybe you thought the same. But if we really want to know the definition of God's kingdom, it's best to go to the expert. And the expert, of course, is the king. When we go to our king, to Jesus, and we listen to the things that he has to say to us, we find out that an awful lot of it is teachings about his kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is the number one subject that Jesus taught his disciples about while he was here. And so as we look at the parables as we've been doing these past few weeks, there are a number of parables about the kingdom of God. And as we look at what Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God, we find out that it's not just heaven, it's not just a place. But when he talks about the kingdom, he's talking more about a process. The process through which he begins to rule in the hearts of sinful men and sinful women by the power of his gospel, which is at work in them, and through that gospel, the Holy Spirit works in their lives to help them to lead godly lives both here on earth and forever in heaven. That's a long definition. So to summarize it, we could say this. The kingdom of God equals God's rule of grace in the hearts of people by the gospel. Thirteen, almost half of Jesus' parables are directly about the kingdom of God. And a lot of those, like our parable today, start off with a phrase, something along the lines of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. So when you hear those words, I just want to reshape the way we're thinking, not just to think heaven is like this, but think this is how Jesus rules. This is what the process of how God rules the hearts of men and women looks like. The kingdom of heaven is like equals this is how God rules. I think it's helpful for us when we hear these parables to, to have those definitions in mind. But I think it'll also be helpful this week and next week for us to keep in mind this theme that we've been looking at all throughout Mark chapter 4. That everything we've seen, all of these teachings that Jesus is giving us are all meant to help his disciples with the same problem. This problem of, of why the way he's ruling in the world does not seem to match up with the way that they think he ought to be ruling. It's not actually, there is no problem with the way Jesus was doing things. The problem is with the understanding of his disciples. And I think we have the same problem today. We look at our own lives, 
and what's going on there. We look at the, the lives of other people in the world around us, and we have a temptation to think, I really believe God ought to be doing this differently. He ought to be acting here in a way that I don't see him acting. He ought to be working in this person's life in a way that I don't see him working. My life ought to look a lot different right now, too. So as we look at our parable today, it's good for us to keep in mind that through it, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples then how it is he operates. But he's also doing the exact same thing for you and I today give our attention to our parable from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Please stand for the reading of the gospel lesson. Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Cultivating plants can be a fun thing to do, whether it's agriculture if you're a farmer working in a field or horticulture, gardening, working in a, in a smaller area. It can be rewarding work. Heather and I enjoy gardening. We enjoy going outside. Amos enjoys pulling up whatever plant he can get his hands on. He's not quite so helpful. And we have some gardens, we've done some things, but I would certainly say that we're amateur gardeners. There are so many things that you can do for just about every single flower or vegetable that you could plant, things that can be done to create the ideal situation for that plant to grow, to reach a maximum harvest or a maximum yield of flowers. You can mess with the acidity level of the soil. You can give it different fertilizer throughout the year. You can plant different plants around it. There's a lot that can be done with pruning for different plants. I don't know any of that. And the few things I do know about gardening, I tend to ignore. Apparently, you're supposed to pull all of the weeds out, but that sounds like a lot of work to me. People have come and they've asked me, they say, Pastor, what do you guys do for your garden? Could you give me some pointers? And what I typically tell people is, look, all we do is put seeds in the ground, and then I just sit back and wait, and when things are ripe, I pick them. So I'm not a whole lot of help when it comes to, to giving advice on, on how to go about doing some gardening. All I have to do is put the seeds in the ground and wait. But sometimes the waiting is the hard part. Sometimes things don't get ripe as quickly as you'd like them to. I struggle with the tomatoes every single year. Every year there's a point where Heather and I will be in the produce section at the grocery store, and we'll be buying tomatoes, and I'll say something to her like, this is probably the last time we'll buy tomatoes for a while, because I know that back here in the garden there are these little green tomatoes starting out, 
But what I seem to forget every year is that from the first day you see those little green tomatoes, you've got three to four weeks before they get to full size, and another three to four weeks before they'll actually turn red and you can eat them, and by the time those two months are up, we've gone back to the store two or three more times to buy tomatoes. So sometimes you have to wait. But as impatient as I might be, I do know that those tomatoes are coming. From the moment I see that first little tiny green fruit, really back before them, from the moment I see that little seedling come up out of the dirt, I know the seed did what it was supposed to do. It germinated, it, it sprung up, there's a plant, and now I know those tomatoes are coming. I know I don't have to doubt the power of that seed. That's the image that Jesus is painting for us in the parable that he's telling us this morning. The only difference is he's talking about a seed of grain rather than a tomato seed. There's something wonderful and mysterious about the power contained within a tiny little seed, the power to grow into this plant, sometimes a great, a great plant, and to produce this harvest that's able to be gathered in. In the same way, Jesus is telling us, there's something wonderful and mysterious about the way that his kingdom is run. That there's a seed in his kingdom that is planted, a seed that has the power to go to work in the hearts of men and women to grow and to produce a harvest. And in the kingdom of God, some of you may have this down already if you've been tracking along over the last few weeks, in the kingdom of God, the seed is the word of God. And there's something wonderful and mysterious about the power of that word to produce growth and a harvest. Part of what makes gardening fun is the visible aspect of it. Going to check on your seeds and seeing that little seedling finally starting to come up, watching plants as they grow so fast. You go to sleep one day, you come out, there's a vegetable that's three times as big as it was when you went to bed the night before, or you go out to your flower garden, and all of a sudden something's blossoming that wasn't blossoming before. It's exciting to watch plants grow. But the problem with the kingdom of Jesus is that it's not so visible. From the moment that seed is planted, from the moment the word is planted in someone's heart, until the day that it produces the fruit that it's meant to produce, there's not a whole lot for you and I to watch. And so it can be frustrating as we wait and we wonder how long is it going to take until that seed that was planted produces some kind of a fruit, brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you today is don't doubt the power of the Word of God. Do not doubt the power of God's Word as it's planted into the hearts of others around you in your life. Do not doubt the power of God's Word as it goes to work in your own heart. We look around our lives, we look at the world around us, and we're tempted to go, ah, Jesus, why aren't you doing something? 
Jesus is doing something. He's doing all kinds of somethings. He's at work all around the world through his word. And just as he tells us in that parable, that word, as soon as it's planted, it goes to work. And it will produce a harvest. The humbling thing is you and I get to be a part of the process. We get to help with the planting of those seeds. So just like with gardening, when I planted those tomatoes, I have absolutely nothing to do with the intrinsic nature of that tomato seed to burst forth and produce a plant. And when we participate in this process of kingdom growth, we plant the seed of God's word in someone's heart. We share the word with them, whether it's your child or a friend. You share the word with your spouse. You share it perhaps with a student or a coworker. But there is nothing at all to do with us that has any impact on the intrinsic power of God's word to produce growth and to yield a fruit. The word has the power to do that simply because God has given it the power. So we plant the seed, and then we have to wait. But I'm going to go on a little sidebar here. There is one thing that I do with our plants in the garden to help them to continue to grow. It's the one thing I know how to do. Sometimes I give them water. Right? Because I know that this plant is going to grow all on its own. I can't make it grow. But if I keep it from getting any water at all, I know that the growth is going to stop. And that's true from the very moment you plant a seed. From the very moment you plant it, you have to keep watering it until you see it come up out of the ground. And I think the same is true when we talk about the growth of the kingdom of God. It may be that you've planted a seed with someone and you're waiting, you're just waiting and waiting to see what God's going to bring from that seed. Let's make sure we keep watering it along the way too. And I didn't put this in the notes, I should have, but in the kingdom of God, the water is the word of God. It's the same as the seed. So we go back to that person whom we've shared God's word with and we just continue to share God's word with them. Or it might happen that you get to water a seed that somebody else planted earlier on along the way. There may be seeds that you get to plant in your time with someone here in this life, and then you don't see them again, but somebody else down the road comes and waters that seed and continues its growth. At the end of the day, though, we do well to remember this passage from the Apostle Paul. He says, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. When the seed is planted, don't doubt the power of the seed. Don't doubt the power of the word. Trust that God in his own way and in his own timing will provide the growth. That's true in the lives of other people around you whom you care about and you want to see that growth, you want to see that fruit, that harvest, but it's also true for you. Because it might be the case that your prayers right now, your frustrations are less about what's going on with somebody else and maybe more about what you're seeing in your own life. Maybe your growth in the kingdom of God isn't at a point where you would like it to be. 
Maybe there are areas that you'd like to grow in that you just don't think you're growing in fast enough. I think it can be easier to look at other people and say, wow, look at how much that person has come along than it can be to look at ourselves and see our own growth. But friends, the same thing is true here. Do not doubt the power of God's word. There's a beautiful passage in scriptures that I, I think most of you are familiar with. We heard it just a few weeks ago in the first week of this message series from Isaiah chapter 55, where it talks about the power of God's word and a promise that God has attached to that word. Here's what Isaiah writes. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I used to always hear that passage and think of it in the context of evangelism. That if I were to share the word of God with someone, this is his promise to me, that his word will accomplish his purpose for it and will not come back to him empty. And that's true. But when we back up a few verses here in Isaiah chapter 55, we see that the context he's giving us this promise in is a little more personal. In verses 6 and 7, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. Let them turn to our God, for he will freely pardon. When you look in the mirror and you don't like the person that you see looking back at you, or when you look at your life and you're frustrated with the rut of sin that you've been stuck in lately, When you look at your growth in the kingdom and you're disgusted at how slowly it's going, seek the Lord and his word and apply yourself to his word. And this is his promise to you. It will not return to him empty. It will do precisely what he intends for it to do, what he has designed it to do, and it will bring you his pardon and his forgiveness so that you can depart from him in peace and continue growing in his kingdom. But be patient, because you may not be able to see exactly everything that's going on. Such is the kingdom of our God. But where his seed is planted, it takes root and it sprouts and it grows until it produces a harvest, whether that's in your heart or in the hearts of the people around you in this world. And so we continue to pray, your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. Amen.